And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism coming at you. St. Patrick's Day week, March Madness. It's, uh, I was thinking, David, you know what? With, with St. Patty's Day and March Madness, you know, the basketball tournament all in the same week, this, this week is shaping up to be as bad as productive as an Obama administration stimulus program. People are already taking half days to work for today or not even going in. Clearly, St. Patrick paid the weather gods for a day like this. I mean, have you got your green on? I, you know what? I watched Fifty Shades of uh, Grey. I kind of like getting pinched. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Just, well. We won't go there. Uh, I'll leave that right where you. Uh, well, we'll just let we'll just let sh- make sure Mrs. Williams, Mrs. Greg's list live appreciates that. Uh, we do have a, a guest calling in pretty quick today, Dale Jackson, who is the third district chair for the Georgia Republican Party, has another interview, and we wanted to get him on the show to talk about House Bill One, which is the medical cannabis slash medical marijuana bill, which goes to help a myriad of uh, of ailments and. Unfortunately, Georgia's inaction on this is costing people's lives. And uh, frankly, it's time for the state of Georgia to put up or shut up, get out of the way, and let people have this kind of treatment. Uh, Dale Jackson has a son who's afflicted by uh, autism, I believe. We're going to hear from Dale real quick. And uh, just wanted to give Dale a big welcome to Greg's. Welcome back to the show, Dale. Hey, thank you very much for having me on, Greg. No, it's my pleasure. I normally we uh, in the past we had talked kind of philosophically about big government versus little government, but today I wanted to have you on because, in my opinion, it's critical that Georgia moves something this legislative session. We only have ten days left. Um, we've got a couple active bills in the House. Can first tell us a little bit about your background on the uh, medical cannabis slash medical marijuana bill? Why it's uh, such a critical issue for you, and what some of the steps are that Georgians need to take right now okay uh real quick first i got involved not necessarily for myself but my best friend's daughter who they go to uh, our church she was literally weeks away from having extremely evasive brain surgery that would have left her speechless uh, would have removed most of all of her memory and and that's the pharmaceutical answer to the affliction that she has uh within four and a half weeks after me talking with my friend about uh, medical cannabis oil, they were living in Colorado and she was seizure free. Uh, Never to even discuss brain surgery again where they removed parts of her brain. Uh, Representative Alan Peake, I thought, had the situation under control. The governor supposedly supported it. The speaker supposedly supported it. And then at the last second, they started backing out, started to uh, remove major parts of the original house to the one. And that's when I got involved in it. And after becoming heavily involved in it, discovered all of the uh, great benefits to uh, people that also suffer from autism, um, which obviously includes my son, who's extremely autistic. And uh, so the more I learned, the more I realized how much we needed it. And then about that time, the governor decided to remove autism from the bill as well. So that's where we're at now. Of course, the the bill did pass overwhelmingly, I think 153 to 2 out of the House. And now it's sitting on uh, in the Senate committee to be heard Thursday. 
So Thursday for a hearing, but the bill that they're going to hear is not, uh, it's, it's a watered down version and it's, it's really lost a lot of what could actually help Georgians. Is that what you're saying? Well, yes. The, the short version, uh, is it has been reduced greatly. It still has immunity and it currently, it still has a, a very vital part is the THC levels. And this is what can be extremely confusing. The, the, Originally, the Sheriff's Association, the Police Chief's Association, and so forth, came out against the bill um, because they argued, you know, that people could get high off of it because of the percentage of THC. Uh-huh. Then, through months of us discussing this with them, they've actually made a, a 180 on the matter. Now they understand that when the THC levels are combined with an equal percentage of cannabis oil, the cannabis oil negates the psychedelic effect of the THC. So you do not get high from it. Um, but in the, unfortunately, in the meantime, they were the main uh, proponents for removing cultivation, in-state cultivation. And obviously, that is probably the most detrimental thing that's happened to the bill, because now you're forcing families to, to travel out of state get the oil, bring it back, or have someone illegally mail it, mail it to them uh, here in the state, which there are countless people already doing this. And the truth of the matter is there's not a law enforcement agency, there's not a DA in the state that's going to touch anybody. Um, matter of fact, I've already had discussions with people uh, trying to get them to arrest me uh, if I were to do it if this bill doesn't pass, and they're not going to touch me because they know that if you put a parent or grandparent in front of any jury administering this to their child, the jury's going to find them not guilty, regardless of what the law says. And as soon as that happens, everything changes. They lose all control. Um, But there's still tens of thousands of people around the state that don't exactly think like me, and they don't want to go through the court battle. Frankly, I don't either because there's, we're, we're already dealing with enough with our children, whether it be a seizure issue or extreme autism like myself. And that's just something that we we can't handle any more burden as far as cost uh, in, the, in the courts and so forth. But uh, I think it's important that our legislators see the, the real damage that their obstruction is doing. Uh, specifically last year, the bill had passed both the House and the Senate with uh, extreme majorities on both sides. The governor, from what I had heard, was, was willing to sign it. And then it was sabotaged at the last minute by somebody trying to put um, you know an, an insurance mandate in it as well. And uh, that killed it. And one of my frustrations, and I'm sure you share, is that we can't, for some reason, Georgia can't have simple one issue bills that people can vote on it takes them th- you saw how many bills they voted on on crossover day don't tell me it takes too long to vote on a one item bill it's uh it's very frustrating for my end and i can um, only imagine how uh traumatic it is uh for for you who knows that your son could be helped by something that is readily available as a street drug and why the state of georgia cannot move is uh beyond me well with, without a doubt you, you're absolutely correct and I mean, we've had numerous discussions, and there again, you started this off with talking about philosophical debate. We love philosophical debate, and Greg, I am never one that is willing to 
be satisfied. Well, will we we pass something? <laughs> um, this is one of those situations, and the more that I learn about, it, the more that I meet the people behind this bill. We have to have something that's part of House Bill One passed. There are, you know, this isn't a debate about well, we need to lower our taxes or, well, we Uh need this new subsidy and if we don't get everything that we want, well, we'll just wait till next year. Well, I mean, Greg, you mentioned what happened last year and the the cold hard facts of what happened last year and because of what happened last year, there are three people that passed away this summer, three children that passed away that, that couldn't get to Colorado fast enough to get their treatment and they're gone now. And that's, this bill affects lives. This bill, if this bill does not pass, there will, will be people that die here in the state of Georgia this year. And I, I just, if I was, if I was a legislator in either house right now, uh, I, I, I need, you need to take a strong look at this bill. And, and, and so many times these, these elected officials or employees, they pass bills for the children. Well, for God's sake. Pass something that actually is for the children for once in your lives, and and, and put self uh, stop putting self service above public service. Because when I hear these stories, and I got emailed from a, a friend the, last week who has a daughter in Indiana, and they are hoping they can come back to Georgia and get some treatment, and they're frustrated, and, and she has seizures every day, and uh, it's a tangible cost, it's a real cost, and our inaction, our obstruction, because uh, some people have their own personal agendas. Is uh, is the reason for it, and um, you know this this sentiment that oh my God, if we have medical marijuana, every kid will be smoking pot. Well, let me tell you something: your your high school kid could probably buy pot right now if he wanted. Anybody in the state of Georgia. So let's let's not put these blinders on. Let's not be obtuse in our thinking. And uh, Dale, I uh, I really thank you for calling in today. What uh, what kind of action item can we do? Who do we need to be contacting right now? Well, the number one thing that we can do is contact the lieutenant governors office. Casey Cagle. Yes, Casey Cagle and Senator Unterman. Uh Both of those, they hold the key to, we have been told, and I don't, I'm not going to the bank with this, but we have been told that House Bill 1 will come out of committee and go to a vote by itself on the floor of the Senate. Um, but we need it to do that with as, as much impact of what it looks like right now as possible. So uh, Casey Cable needs to be called, Huntsman needs to be called, and then as soon as it comes out of committee, obviously we need to call all the senators to make sure that we have support. I feel like that we have overwhelming support. The other main thing, because this is what they will tell you if you call them, you need to understand the difference between SB 185. And if you could give me two more minutes, yep. I would love to explain that. Yeah, please. Um, the, the danger in Senate Bill 185, in and of itself, it is a fine bill. It will set in place a FDA-approved study to uh, a trial so that we can document the benefits of cannabis oil. The problem is they will tell you, well, that's enough, that we're, we're providing hope for these parents and these children. <laughs> the reality is it is not, because it, in order to participate in an FDA-approved trial, you have to go medication-free for six months. Most of these people in Colorado would die in six months in order to do that. Then you have some that will receive a placebo that will get no treatment whatsoever after they've been off their medication for six months. And it's 
strictly a pharmaceutical-based uh, concoction, uh, and obviously we, we know who's behind that and how that type of thing goes. But SB 185 is no replacement whatsoever for House Bill 1. They, they do totally different things. I'm not opposed to Senate Bill 185, but it does not accomplish it seems like that, that it seems like that is moving at a glacial pace while HB1 is something that's in the NASCAR fast lane and we need to we need to pass both it sounds like but uh, yeah. clearly HB1 and now is HB1 going to get a different Senate bill or is it going to be still called House Bill 1 and they'll try to hopefully pass their version of it and be able to work out any kinks in this uh, before day 40 Well regardless of the name of it when it comes out of committee and goes on the floor <laughs> Yeah. The reality is it will be greatly stripped back. The House will not approve of the changes, but there will be an understanding beforehand that it will go to conference. Okay. And, and that's where the rubber is going to hit the road. That's where the final bill will come out and hopefully look as much like House Bill 1 looks right now as possible. All right. Well, you know, I know you've got a, a, another interview with you and your wife at, at 2.15, but again, I, I wanted to stress the absolute urgency that it is imperative that, that that our legislative body does what they are elected to do, and that is work for the people of Georgia and, and use common sense on this. Dale Jackson, thank you so much. Uh, we're, our prayers are with you, and I'm going to be doing everything I can to, to you know, uh, shed the light and pull the curtain back on this bill, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you very much, Greg. All right, we'll see you in a couple minutes on Greg. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
And welcome back to Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Wanted to thank Dale Jackson for calling in about that issue. It, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm having some kind of perverse case of deja vu, where last year this bill had uh, a lot of support from both the Georgia House of Representatives and the Georgia State Senate. Then it was sabotaged at the last second. They're clearly lobbyist people, uh, big pharma that are scared of something like this when they think they can come up with their own concoction that'll uh, be the salve on the uh, on the ailments and, and the maladies that happen. But from from my research on it and my de- talking to people that are directly impacted by this, they say there is no substitute that me- this medical cannabis, this medical marijuana, is the only thing that can help their children in any kind. Of time frame that's in the near horizon. This Senate Bill 185 is some FDA test. God knows how long that that was. That's going to take to uh, produce any meaningful results to come to fruition. Stuff like this gets me real riled up, as y'all can tell. Going to need a moment alone, boys. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, so uh, another thing that riles me up, David, is. The fact that Hillary Clinton can't seem to find any of her emails. The fact that she continuously lies about it. The fact that her record as Secretary of State is abysmal. The Middle East is a powder keg. Russia is Russia's leader disappeared for 10 days and they come back and they launched the largest uh, military drills in their in the recent history in like 10 years. Basically, I think Norway is doing some kind of military activity with about four or 5,000 people. So Russia is responding with their military drills of about 40,000 people. And it's their largest show of force after Putin's been on vacation for like 10 days. And there was all sorts of, of uh, speculation about where he was. And meanwhile, Hillary Clinton can't find any of her emails, won't own up to any of it, has a terrible track record, and is still pulling above 50% for president. Now that... That riles me up. How about you? Well, you know, I think the uh, Clintons have displayed what they are. They're not, uh, they only care about one thing, and that's the Clintons. Uh, I think they, uh, they're they just uh, very nasty people, and uh, the world needs to recognize it. The bleeding hearts, the women, uh, you know, any and everybody else. We we can't afford to have her as president. We can't afford for her to steamroll America in believing that she's something that she's not. And, uh, you know, it, it's Obama has done the same thing. Uh, you know, this, this deal of us paying for Michelle and the whatever kids uh, to, to go on these extravagant vacations that's exactly what uh, you know they they turn it into it's my air force one uh-huh. and um you know hillary's been a liar since uh, before before arkansas she was a liar after she graduated she still is a liar and uh, that, that's all there is to it right. and she'd make a horrendous horrendous Power president. Um, yeah, and, and you imagine Bill being the first man. <laughs> you know, you know hide your wife, re- hide your kids, right? 
he would run more through the White House than a prostitute on a heated night, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow, you're, you're getting like me with the, uh, the the comparisons. I like that. Well, you're, right. um, I know uh, we have a show, Insight to Israel, Michael Gano, mm-hmm. uh, and today, B.B. Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, who came and gave a riveting speech to uh, Congress uh, a couple weeks ago, he's up for election. And apparently the Obama administration has been meddling in this because clearly they don't like Israel being a strong leader. And uh, there's all sorts of uh, malfeasance. It's, you know, rumored that uh, Israel has threatened to take out Iran's nuclear facilities on their own. And I saw a headline that said Obama threatened to shoot down their planes if they went on this uh, mission of, um, uh, you know, preemptive strikings. Who knows what's true, but it wouldn't put it past me to have this president who basically the the Congressional Black Caucus walked out when Netanyahu came to speak. And if any group should should try to feel something for another minority group, you'd think it would be the Congressional Black Caucus. But but no. Well, you know, they do what, they get their marching orders from uh, our our White House. Jesse Jackson. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, (laughs) Here again, my feelings, this is the difference between listening to the news and listening to Michael Gano, who happens to be there. Yeah, he's in Israel. He's in Israel. Um, these people... When does that show play, David? Uh, Sundays? Sundays at 10 and, and replayed at 2 o'clock on Sundays. Okay. And uh, the Israelis have lived under threats ever since 1947 when it became a country. Mm-hmm. And... I, I, what, what's you know what I get really upset about? What's there to understand? You looked at that pig Arafat when he was alive. Yeah, with the PLO. With the PLO, uh, you look at Hamas. You look at uh, what's going on over there today, and it's like, you know, instead of doing what Obama's Hamas, done, has oh yeah you look at all of this and and instead of doing what ISIS. Obama has done we should be over there we should be supporting him to the uh, to the nights you know now you got um, two you know a son that's currently in the military right now what uh, what do you have you spoken to him are they are they feeling like there's well that's maybe a, that's not his area of expertise uh-huh. so we we talk but it's uh, like you and I talking so um, <laughs> hopefully he knows a little more than I do <laughs> well, yeah, I can't really go into that okay but anyhow um, right. you know it's uh, we need to support them not badmouth them and I I listened to every word of Netanyahu's speech uh-huh. and I thought it was a hell of a speech I thought it covered the the reasoning I you know, by the way, did you know, and I think this is true, I heard it, in fact, I was talking about it today uh, on the way back, I'm not, I think, isn't Netanyahu a U.S. citizen? Um, you know, I, I don't know, I, I was like, he, I know he, he was school here, but I, I almost think he I mean, has that dual. seems like something that's Googleable. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing, maybe he should run for president. Uh, well, I was, I was about to say, you know what, it, maybe if, if the <laughs> it, it, the birthers, if we dropped our uh, Obama birth certificate, if we would, it could be negotiated if Bibi could run for president. Yeah. Uh, well, Netanyahu received What did you think of his speech? 
Okay, uh, I thought it was amazing. Um, it, it's been replayed time and time again. If it ends up costing him the election in Israel, well, in, that's he's he's taken a stand. He's taken a hard line stance against the folks that have been threatening him, and the, I I think that they should have. I, I, I was making a this in jest a little bit, but I think a really hard line stance would have been to say there is no Palestine. It does not appear on any map. They could be like Ghost. Remember Ghostbusters? There's yeah, no Palestine, yeah. only Zool. Yeah. If they had used that as a a slogan, then that would have been a hard line stance. I, I mean, I I wish I had time to follow those elections closely, but apparently they're they're neck and neck with his Likud party and um, I guess more, more which again I don't liberal understand. party. I don't I, I don't know. You know, I, I wish I could profess a great knowledge about Israeli politics, but even the liberals over there would be are conservatives here, from what I've heard. The, the liberals way, basically don't want to build new settlements. I think. Is, is I think you've given me a segue into saying something that. Rides on my chest heavily. I'm a Christian. I'm not Jewish, but I certainly support Israel. And what I really hate are the Jewish people here in the United States that will give Israel lip service, and that's it. Mm-hmm. They don't support them. They don't yeah. support them financially. They don't support them militarily by joining yeah. the yeah. IDF yeah. or having the. They don't. They don't. They don't support them philosophically, David. They've, they've actually. There's a lot of Jewish people here, especially up in the Northeast. They do not look at Israel as the promised land. In fact, they look at the United States as the promised land. So they, I, I won't say they're embarrassed of Israel, but they don't. They just don't. They feel more in tune with the United States and that Israel is more of a burden to them. Um, I mean, I clearly don't speak for every single one of them, but there's a lot of them um, that, uh, that that do feel that way. It's a sense of it, and that's why they heavily support the uh, the Democrat Party, because Republicans clearly are, are, you know, put Israel as our greatest ally. Democrats, you know, walk out when the prime minister, when their prime minister is here speaking. So that should tell you the, the divisiveness between the two parties, the two major parties here. That uh, stupid bitch Pelosi turning her back. Yeah, she should, uh, you know, I don't even want to start on her. She should go get her <laughs> yeah, skin. Yeah, I, I can only get time. riled up about so many topics in the first 30 minutes. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to make me uh, have to go take some more blood pressure medicine here in a minute. But um, I, uh, I was looking at um, another couple items today. Did you know that the city of Atlanta is having a referendum vote today to borrow $250 million? Did you? I mean, no. th- on, on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I mean, that is awesome. I, I, do you think they're going to have breathalyzers at the uh, polls? <laughs> do you think they're going to have anybody at the polls to, <laughs> no, no, to they're breathalyze? No, they're, they're not. They're, the group that was pushing this uh, referendum spent about $223,000. Oh, that reminds me. I did want to ask you. Charles Cook was on the... Uh, the show earlier, did you ask him if leprechauns are able to get green cards quicker? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to call him. One, one, one would think that that's, that's a very good possibility. I would think know? so. I would think leprechauns should have no problem getting green cards. And, you know, they, 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 I think they're part of the Obama amnesty program. They're always trying to take your tax and your gold. So, clearly, they're Democrats. 
But uh, anyway, let's, you want to take our 2.30 break? Wait, we have yeah, we a DeKalb County Commissioner Nancy Jester calling in. She has been a busy lady. Uh, first three months of DeKalb has been uh, quite the eye-opener, exposing a lot of graft. And we're talking seven-figure graft and uh, the water bill fiasco and just a lot of philosophical differences between what good fiscal government is versus what bad, corrupt Democrat government is. And uh, true taxpayer champion, look forward to hearing from her in a couple minutes on Greg's List. This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either undertreated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment because we believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's FoodLink was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. David, you obviously with this kind of weather, the it's clear now, but the pollen is going to be brutal coming up. And I wanted to welcome back to the show our friend Nancy Jester, who is on as a state superintendent uh, candidate, I guess, probably a year ago. And now she's DeKalb County Commissioner for District 1. Nancy, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Hello. Hey, uh, Nancy. Uh, yes, you're, you're, I just I'm sorry. walked in my door. I just walked in the door. Okay, awesome. Well, great. Well, we wanted to welcome you back to the show. I was saying that uh, last time you'd been on, it was as a candidate for state superintendent. Fast forward a little bit more than a year later, and now you're DeKalb County Commissioner for District 1. So, uh, Correct. Quite a whirlwind ver- uh, trip for you, huh? Yeah, you know, it has kept me um, very engaged and busy. 
I can only imagine. Now, you're, we're not quite at the first 100 days, but it certainly seems like 100 days watching all of your uh, your updates coming in. Um, just uh, what's it been like kind of pulling back the per- curtain into Cab County? I know we've got some water bill problems, and there's a $1.5 million uh, Friends of the Commissioner's uh, issue going on. So what's, uh, what's been the biggest surprise so far, and what are, what are you continuing to pursue as a taxpayer champion into Cab? Well, you know, there's lots of layers, and so we've been here, I guess, yeah, maybe around 100 days now, um, and, you know, uh, there's obviously a significant issue um, in the water department. I think um, I, I used to say when I served on the school board, there's, there's only two problems in DeKalb, and that's um, incompetence and fraud, and uh, if you could just fix those things, then you'd be fine, um, and there's just some of the same flavor of that in the county. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, Clearly, we've got issues in, in the with the watershed. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, the intersection of the operations and the building department is a real big issue. We met, met about that today, actually, mm-hmm. and had an update uh, from an outside consultant <clears throat> who's uh, talking to us about that. So, uh, And I'll be meeting um, privately with them hopefully next week. So I'm kind of trying to get to the bottom of that. Obviously, um, you know, that's a big issue. Uh, water rates have risen. Uh, over the last several years in DeKalb, and uh, we're under a federal consent decree uh, to fix certain uh, problems. Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, the other thing, we, when I came on board, we were uh, right at budget season, and so we were dealing with that. I was not happy with where the budget ended. Uh, I voted against it. So, um, and I was joined in that by the super district rep from my area. So, but we did pass a budget. Um, unfortunately, it raised taxes on uh, all of the cities within um, the county and had, um, and had um, you know, kept the military the same for the unincorporated areas. But uh, I didn't like that because it, it, we did raise taxes, and so I voted against it uh, for that reason. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's a huge issue. Um, obviously, we've had some uh, scandals pop up lately with the Development Authority, and you've probably seen some of my updates about that. Mm-hmm. I'm very concerned about uh, how taxpayer dollars are being spent by that entity. Um, you know, it, it, it never ends in the cab. Uh, we have a long uh, road to go, but um, I'm keeping my eye out, and uh, I know others are as well. Right. Well, it sounds like uh, getting somebody in there that um, has a history of uh, being accountable for, for taxpayers and for children previously when you were the uh, mom with a calculator is paying off. Has it been uh, more problematic than you thought going in or what's how would you uh, are your eyes wide open now? <laughs> you know, um, it's, um, it's it's just I would say it's different because, I mean, it's a different, um, you know, a set of. Um, matters that you're dealing with on mm-hmm. the county it's uh very um i guess it's limited you know in, in education you're dealing with one you know one thing right but uh with the county everything from garbage to water to uh, paving to stormwater uh, runoff to zoning issues so there's many many different uh, layers here uh and then police and fire as well those types of things so there's just more moving parts, I think, in county government versus the school system. So getting used to all of those things, um, understanding, um, you know, uh, what's working, what's not working, what's bloated, you know, what what could probably um, use resources being reallocated over to it. I'm not. Um, I'm very um, um, supportive of our. Uh, 
uh, DeKalb uh, Police Department and our fire department right. because I think that's a um, you know one of the critical uh, services that you provide in the county and water those types of things and uh, I think we have bloat in other areas that we need to trim uh, while keeping our public safe so those are the types of things I'm focusing on efficiencies in places where we need to um, have those where there's waste I mean we certainly have waste in DeKalb County um, one thing I, I do think was a success but I think sadly it came at um, it, it I guess the motivation was was bad it, you know we had the indictment of uh, the former CEO, um, Burl Ellis, and he still awaits his second trial. <laughs> but um, with all of that scandal came the reorganization of the purchasing department in DeKalb. And I think that's a good thing because now, uh, this year, the purchasing department has been reorged. Every position was eliminated. New ones were created, different ones, and people could reapply. Not everybody got their jobs back. And there was an outsourcing of um, some compliance in, in the purchasing department. So now the purchasing department costs DeKalb County less this year than it ever has. It costs less this year than it did last year. So that's going in the right direction. So that's an example that, okay, we need to be doing this in other departments, particularly, I think, the finance department, which handles the water billing or mishandles the water billing, as the case may be, <laughs> um, and um, the HR department, which I think is also sort of problematic in DeKalb. Yeah. Now, are we um, – one of the, I guess, bigger controversies or, or problems that I've seen is I think District 5 is still without a commissioner, and the votes seem to be 3-3 three to three to sort it out, and that uh, – Clearly, is getting pressed that um, you know. I think Democrats and other uh, ra- um, opportunists um, for um, the race baiters are trying to, to, to inflame things. But uh, what's the solution to that? Is there an easy solution for DeKalb to be able to get a District Five commissioner? Well, there is an easy solution. It is a um, an interesting situation because they had a member of the commission elevated to be the interim CEO, um, and that that's just now it leaves okay well how do you replace that um district five commission seat on an interim basis and the law didn't really provide for that well until um the legislature last session i believe it was passed um uh, some some legislation so that there was a methodology to do so mm-hmm. so then prior to my even coming on the commission they they've worked on that and um they started taking votes sort of middle of the last year after having gone through a process, they couldn't come to an agreement. When I came on the uh, board, um, that that didn't fundamentally change. Um, I think that that is essentially a, a poor process. You know, so you're asking officials to basically um, appoint uh, uh, someone to represent District Five. My position has been and remains that the best method to have a uh, commissioner sit, uh, be seated for District 5 is for Lee May, who's the interim CEO, to resign his Commission 5 seat so that the people of District 5 can have a special election and choose their own representative. That's how I came to the Board of Commissioners, um, and that's how I think a District 5 rep should yeah. come to the Board of Commissioners. Makes sense to me. I, uh-huh. It makes sense to me. Yeah, it, that's the set that you – that's simple. So that could happen, uh, that could happen you know, however many months ago. Uh, so um, – and there's only one person disenfranchising people, and that would be um, interim CEO May, because that's the only person that could give those folks in District 5 the right to choose who their commissioner would be. Um, now, I, that doesn't look likely to happen, um, you know, so here we are. I, and I reject two things. I reject that it is um, um, that they don't have representation because they do have a super rep uh, that represents their area, and I also uh, say that uh, as interim CEO, uh, he has quite a lot of power, and he was elected 
only by the folks in District 5. So, you know, um, I, I'm not, you know, I don't hear the clamor that uh, from all over the county saying, well, we don't have representation in the CEO's office, mm -hmm. you know, but District 5 certainly does. District 5 has the CEO's office, and that's a very powerful office because they control the entire administrative apparatus mm -hmm. of the county. Right. So I think that, um, you know, I just uh, reject explicitly that they do not have representation. Um, the second thing I would say is I reject that it's uh, a racial issue because I have voted uh, twice now uh, to place someone in the District 5 seat, and um, they were African Americans. And the only people that we've considered for that post have been African Americans, so it can't be about race. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, I think there's uh, there's race baiting opportunists that like to point things out and uh, try to inflame situations for their own profit. Real quick, you've got two uh, prospective cities that are both in your district, and uh, that is La Vista Hills and Tucker, which have both made it uh, past the house and will likely be uh, passed. I, I don't know. I haven't. I've been keeping up with it a little. I'm in the city of La, prospective city of La Vista Hills. What uh, I, I what are you what are your thoughts on that? Do you blame people for wanting to leave the cab or do you uh how because that'll eat up a big chunk of your district you'll still be the commissioner of all which i think some people don't understand that principle. correct right but, uh, you have a county commissioner whether you live in a city or or not um right now the majority of my district is already municipalized i myself live in a city i live in dunwoody um i've got dunwoody brookhaven shambly doraville uh and and uh if if these get uh these um uh, bills pass and they get out of the Senate and they go to referendum, it's possible that um, almost all of my district is uh, cities. So um, I'm a big fan of the municipalization movement because I think that um, it uh, puts government closer to the people um, and it allows communities, uh, local communities, the ability to um, you know, manage the services that they receive that need to be managed more closely um, to their community. I mean, in, in District 1 alone, <clears throat> I've got over 140,000 um, constituents. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's a large number. And, you know, I, it, I, I think people deserve um, smaller units of government that's closer to them for, for decisions on zoning gotcha. and for decisions on um, business licenses, stuff like that. And yep. so on. All right. Well, that's great. Well, anyway, Nancy, I really appreciate uh, you being able to give us kind of a hundred days up there. I don't know if it's been a hundred business days, but I think it's coming close on a hundred calendar days for sure. And it has been yep. quite busy. We really appreciate your uh, responsibility to the uh, the taxpayers and keeping everybody apprised of the situation. Um, and I believe people can find you on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, um, they can uh, send emails to you at the Cab County Board of Commissioners now. That's right, and we're just rolling out our, our, our updated website, nancyjester.com. So go there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nancy. And, uh, My pleasure. All right, and we wanted to uh, thank you all for listening in today. Going to wrap up with a 15-minute segment to talk about. Uh, we just got some breaking news today. Uh, Aaron Schock, the 33-year-old uh, congressman from uh, Illinois, just resigned his seat. Um, he's a Republican and basically an embarrassment. So this is probably a good thing. But uh, just saw that come across the wire right now. And anyway, we'll be back in a couple minutes to talk about that and a little bit more. And thank you for listening to Greg's List. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. 
Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hello, I'm Ray Bowman, and I'm really looking forward to our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you every Friday at noon on America's Web Radio by FeedstuffsFoodLink.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Alive, the home of serious and breaking news journalism. I, I, I do love, you know, I, I am on once a week, but... Uh, I usually like having a segment where I can address anything that, that just magically pops up. And clearly, the the Netanyahu election is going on, and we may not know the results of that for a while. Israel only has like six to eight million people, but apparently can take weeks to count. So I am um, not sure exactly why that is, but uh, anyway, they must not uh, they must still be using hanging chads over there or something. <laughs> Anyway, this guy, Aaron Schock, who is a congressman from Illinois, was was a congressman, has resigned quickly, and uh, basically Politico, kind of, uh, I won't call it a leftist website, but they, they're a left-leaning site. They broke a story about uh, Congressman Schock, or former Congressman Schock, resigned Congressman Schock, for... Uh, inflating miles that he put on his Chevy Tahoe. Now, I have a Chevy Tahoe, so I guess this guy can't be all bad. Um, he did seem like kind of a white Obama, though, a very self-aggrandizing person posing for magazine pictures, taking selfies. He he spent $40,000 redesigning his uh, congressional office in the uh, uh, motif of Downtown Abbey. You know that? Do you watch that show? Does the wife watch that show, David? It's very popular. It's a British show. I think it's on PBS. So imagine that we have legions of people that are actually watching PBS. That's uh, I call that a win. But at any rate, he spent forty thousand dollars of taxpayer money redesigning his office in a self-aggrandizing way. I think he ended up paying that back. But Politico, this website. 
again, citizen journalists, this new media, which is so important now, so important to have the voice for the people that the uh, major networks refuse to have, uh, the Brian Williamses of the world. The Politico broke a story that raised questions about this guy's uh, mileage reimbursements. Basically, he had tens of thousands of dollars in mileage reimbursements, perhaps he was using this uh, this fraud to pay back his downtown Abbey, Abbey office scheme. Who knows? But uh, he sold this um, – he billed the federal government and his campaign accounts. Basically, he was taking money for his campaign donors and the federal government. And he said he logged about 170,000 miles between January 2010 and July 2014. Then he sold this car in July 2014 – and it only had 80,000 miles on it. So he had billed it for over twice the amount that this car had on it. That You really can't get much more fraudulent than that, David. And when you're at 100,000 miles, I believe the federal reimbursement rate is 56, 57 cents a mile. That's five or $6,000 right there for 100000 Now, if it's 170000 you multiply that, that's that's $12,000. You can say, oh, well, it's only 12000 Well, this is a, a, a Republican congressman, and there is no, it's only this amount of fraud. Because as the party that tries to run on fiscal conservative values, to have somebody that's basically been proven guilty of fraud by the records of his own admission... It's not a good look, and he has resigned fairly abruptly, and there's been all sorts of other ethical problems, and um, just uh, a kind of a meteoric rise and a meteoric crash for this guy. What do you think, Dave? you think it's good to go ahead and get rid of these guys? Oh, you yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah, you know, and, and the faster the, the better. You know, if, if we wound up with seven people in Congress, uh, I'm not sure I'd object if the if the graph was and and same with the white house and uh, as far as that goes same with the uh, supreme court unfortunately you can't do anything about the supreme court but um you know this i don't know what it's going to take i i think you know i think there i think this jerk went up there with the intention of becoming a celebrity or whatever he thought he was going to be and then I think others go up there and are just uh, by by it being DC or corrupted and I, I think that I don't know how we overcome that we get rid of the lobbyists that's one one way that's uh, a start in the right direction and um, you get and, and term limits that that would be the only other way and I don't know they're not going to vote they're not going to vote themselves term limits so what do we do yeah, uh, I mean, the only way you ever get term limits is if you do a, a constitutional convention, and that, I think, has its own dangers. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I've had this argument before with people that every two years you get a chance for term limits on these congressional folks. And I've said in the past, well, they have a 90% reelect rate, but you look and see what happened to Eric Cantor. This past year, he was the House Majority Leader and lost to a unknown professor named Dave Bratt, uh, one of the most powerful Republican congressmen up there, and lost to an unknown because he had disappeared from his district. So, it is possible. Um, surely, the, yes, the the inmates are not going to uh, 
police themselves, so to speak. So it is up to the voters. I am I am fearful of a of a constitutional convention. I just fear that it would be hijacked by the left. And I've had this debate with other people where, oh well, Greg, they can only if you if you declare this, it can only talk about a couple of separate issues. I um. I question everybody's knowledge of the Constitution because we Obama is supposed to be a constitutional lawyer, and we see where that's gotten us, Mr. Executive Order himself. So anytime you have a constitutional question, you end up leaving it in the hands of nine humans, five of them which said Obamacare was legal as a tax to the four who didn't. I, I'm not sure if I want to leave the Bill of Rights and other critical amendments up to nine Supreme Court justices. David, do you? I, I, I have faith in my fellow mankind, but not that much. Well, you know, there was a time uh, many, many years ago that, that I personally trusted the Supreme Court. Well, if all else fails, the Supreme Court will take it. But this Judge Roberts, in my opinion, and I can't prove it. It's only a guess. It's only my opinion. But I think he was the uh, victim of extortion by the Obama administration. Yep. He was anti-Obamacare until. And um, to me, it was quite clear for a, for a gentleman to change his mind like he did that somebody had something on him and twisted his ear, you know. So I... It's a shame, I, and I don't even like to talk about this. And I, I, I one of my sons is uh, thinks I'm nuts that I would even uh, feel like this. But it, it doesn't take a whole lot to see what's going on. I think the the idiocy of of it all, and and both of my sons are they're not into politics, but they are news astute, and yet. One of them uh, didn't realize what Harford said about that all it takes to end terrorism is get them a good job, teach them how to work. And I, you know, of all the absurd things to even say. So we got real problems in our in our government, and uh, I, I don't know if we yeah, can. Yeah, I mean, Potomac fever, everybody uh, gets it. You get up there. You're making one hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars. You well, get that's Cadillac. Not enough. I, you get ca- I believe oh, oh, yeah. people live oh, from check oh, to yeah. check. Oh, I, I can only I afford cheer. three houses now. I can barely afford my house in Georgia and my house in D.C. and my mountain house and my beach house. And I'm Charlie Rangel, and I owe a bunch of back taxes. Yet I'm head of the House Ways and Means Committee until the Republicans won in 2010. I mean, it's just it, it really boils the blood to think how wealthy these people get. That 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 some of them go up there. The only one that really hasn't ever gotten wealthy is Vice President Joe Biden. He literally is like the he was the poorest congressman. He had like no assets. And he really was living paycheck to pay. He's, I, you know, I don't agree with Joe philosophically, but I, I, I like his candor. I, I, I will say that he, he's, he's not a, uh, he's not really two faced. You know what you get with Joe. 
So, I mean, he's he's comedic gold. He's kind of the the left wing George W. Bush, but the comedians choose not to pick on Joe Biden because they want to protect him, as they have with uh, with 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 Herr Obama as well. But um, at any rate, I have the same frustration you do. These didn't, folks didn't, get didn't elected. She break out the crying towel when Pelosi said she lived. Let's see her. Husband. No, she broke out the crying towel because she said she loves Israel so much, and to hear Netanyahu talk about Israel in such a negative way that made her cry at his speech, and then she turned her back. I think her tear ducts failed years ago from Botox uh, poisoning. <laughs> do you do you really think that 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 reptile can actually cry real tears? I don't. I'm pretty sure she can't. No, she is. She is. Uh, she's she a vile. She's she a is. vile. Vile person. Amen, brother. I'll drink. I'll buy that for a dollar. I'll drink to that. What do you do? You like green beer, David? Do you do you ever mess with the beer? I know you. You sometimes you'll drink a wine cooler, but uh, did you ever done the green beer thing? I I, I have been known to uh, just trying a couple. Just experimenting. Just experimenting. When I was a, when I was a youth, I experimented with green beer. <laughs> <laughs> In Athens, or did you go down to the real? I've been. To, I've, I've actually been to Savannah. Um, I've been to Savannah for St. Patrick's Day. We actually went to Hilton Head and stayed at the Westin. We were one percenters for the weekend. And then we took a booze cruise. <laughs> from Hilton Head. It was so cool. We didn't have to deal with parking or driving there or anything. So we took a booze cruise from Hilton Head right to the, the Savannah Harbor, and they drop you off. You're right there, right on River Street. So I highly recommend doing that if you have the um, the extra money to go and uh, stay on Hilton Head. But uh, anyway, I guess we're coming up to the end of the show. I believe I may go imbibe on a green beer or three. You know it's very difficult to dye a whiskey drink green, folks. So don't don't try it. Don't waste the food coloring. Well, you that can is put not the whiskey in the beer that's green. That is not FDA approved. Or you can do the Irish car bombs. Those yes. are good. I, I hear that I hear they're having five dollar Irish car bomb specials across the country today, folks. Savannah, Georgia, y'all be good. Y'all be good in Savannah, please. I don't want to read about you on the paper. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.